When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotel's family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel, serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points to your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Katie Lambert, joined today by Sarah Dowdy. How are you, Sarah? I'm good, Katie. I'm excited about this gunfight. Well, and thank you to the listener who sent us in the request. John in South St. Paul, Minnesota said he could not wait to hear all about the gunfight at the OK Corral. So we're going to do a little myth busting and um, go through the shootout. Yeah. So our story takes place in Tombstone, Arizona, which was a boom town in the 1880s. And probably if it wasn't for this gunfight, it would be a ghost town today. But um, in the in 1879, a prospector finds silver, um, and he's warned by a passing soldier that the only thing you're going to find in those hills is your own tombstone. And he names bum, bum, the bum. yeah. He, <laughs> he showed him, didn't he? The town grew from 100 people to 7,000 people in two years because of all the silver mining. And it was quite the place. There were a lot of rough and lawless Oh, towns. yes. Horse rustlers, bandits. They had a big red light district, lots of saloons and bars. And there are two key parties in Tombstone in 1880, 1881, the Earps and the Cowboys. And you've probably heard of the Earps because of Wyatt Earp. But it wasn't just him. He had some brothers. Wyatt worked as security at a saloon. James was a car dealer and a bartender. And his brothers, Virgil and Morgan, guarded stagecoaches. 
and Virgil was also a deputy U.S. marshal, while Wyatt was a deputy sheriff. And the cowboys, on the other hand, were pretty lawless, not the heroes of movies that we no, think they of were today. Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got Ike Clanton and Billy Clanton, who are especially notorious. And we have Tom and Frank McLowry, two sets of brothers. Who liked hanging out with horse wrestlers. Yep. So the trouble starts in the summer of 1880 when Virgil Earp goes to his brothers Wyatt and Morgan and says that there were men who stole six mules from an army outpost. So they go on the lookout and they find the horses at the McLowry Ranch and the brands have been changed. So they no longer look like they belong to the army. And Frank McLowry is having none of it and tells him, you know, he's just a deputy U.S. marshal. Get off my property. Yeah, this isn't your concern. <laughs> they're not accepting the Earp's legal positions. No. So a little bit of trouble starts there. Yeah. And trouble's brewing on another front with Wyatt Earp going up against Johnny Bean, who is kind of a cowboy type more than the law-abiding type, uh, over a woman Josephine Marcus, and over the sheriff position. Right. And Josephine first picked Johnny, but she ended up married to Wyatt for about 50 years. That wasn't until later. But both men wanted to be appointed sheriff of the state, because that's how that worked. And Wyatt ended up dropping out of the race because he could tell the governor was leaning much more toward Johnny. And Johnny told him that he would give him a lesser appointment. So he thought, yeah, okay, you know, I'll drop out and that didn't work out. So these guys have been gripped in a professional and romantic competition. So there's a lot of resentment from the start. Oh, yes. So in March of 1881, the Tombstone Benson stagecoach is held up and $26,000 is stolen and the driver and the passenger are both killed. And Virgil Earp ends up leading a posse to hunt down the people who robbed it. And he brings in his brothers, of course, Wyatt and Morgan, along with Doc Holliday, who uh, I'm sure everyone has heard of him. I I didn't know this, but he used to be a dentist. which And he's somehow kind of related to Margaret Mitchell, which I found out when I was touring the house. Both from Georgia. Yeah. Huh. Uh, anyways, Doc Holliday is in Virgil Earp's posse. Uh, Sheriff Bean also leads a posse. The Earp group finds a guy who confesses to this stagecoach holdup, though, and they turn him over to the sheriff. He ends up escaping. There's some question as to whether his jail cell was even locked. Right, like did Bean just let him escape? And Wyatt, obviously no fan of Bean, suspects that he might have been in on it. Right. And, and his and posse doesn't even... Yeah, they don't yeah. even get their reward. <laughs> so they're... They're pretty pissed off at this point. So according to the story, Wyatt Earp makes a deal with Ike Clanton of the infamous Clantons that we mentioned earlier. And he says that if Ike will give him information about who did the robbery, then Wyatt will make sure that he gets the reward from Wells Fargo, a $6,000 reward. Yeah. Yeah. And these are two guys who would want to have no professional association with each other. You wouldn't, they neither would want their name linked to the other. One is the semi-law-abiding man. The other is the cowboy. Uh, So this deal is very under the table. Well, and Wyatt thought that way he could make the arrests and he would look good, you know, unlike Johnny Bean. Unlike Bean. And Clanton just wanted the money and or to set up a trap for Wyatt. That part's still unsure. Yeah. Unfortunately, the actual robbers of the stagecoach are killed in a gunfight in New Mexico. So the deal isn't even... Worth it's not anything. Even valid. <laughs> There's no point. 
So in October of 1881, Ike Clanton and Doc Holliday, which, remember, are on opposite sides of this particular conflict, are both at the Alhambra Saloon. And historians don't know whether Clanton planned this meeting because he wanted reassurance that Wyatt wasn't going to turn him in, or if Wyatt set it up to scare Ike into behaving, because Doc Holliday was not the kind of man you wanted to mess with. No, but either way, the meeting does not go well, and the two start trading insults, and they end up both getting kicked out by security. Um, interestingly enough, Morgan Earp. Uh, and the confrontation kind of carries on through the night, though, even though they're no longer in the saloon. Right. And Ike ends up at an all-night poker game at another saloon with Johnny Bean, Virgil Earp, and Tom McLowry, which is quite the motley crew because, again, they're all on opposite sides. And it just keeps going, the trading of insults and... And death threats, even. Right. Ike is Ike is saying some pretty nasty stuff about the Earps. All around town. Yeah. And the next morning, he's still talking about Doc Holliday and the Earps, and they find out, and they are not pleased. No, and they actually end up arresting him uh, for illegally carrying a firearm in public. Which seems like kind of a low blow, because they were all doing that, and they just wanted a pretense. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and Wyatt Earp joins into the party to, to taunt Ike and just this, <laughs> he calls him a damn dirty cow thief. Though the whole thing is escalating out of control. And even Wyatt runs into Tom McLowry, one of the other cowboys, when he's leaving the courtroom and whacks him over the head with his gun. So, you know, the lawmen are not <laughs> doing their part to, to bring the, turn the fire down on this fight that's brewing. Well, and news is traveling fast. So Billy Clanton and Frank McLowry hear about everything that's going on, and they decide they're having none of it. And they buy a bunch of bullets and set up a meeting in a vacant lot on Fremont Street, which isn't actually at the OK Corral, yeah. to discuss their plans. And when Sheriff Bean finds out about this, he knows that this is not going to end well. No. So he heads off to Fremont Street to meet them and tries to get Frank McLowry's gun. Frank won't let the sheriff disarm him until the Earps are disarmed, which that's a, I don't know. <laughs> it's a hot-headed response. Yeah, it's <laughs> not really very acceptable. Um, but Ike is patted down. He doesn't have a weapon. Tom says he's unarmed. Billy is just like, I'm heading out of town, and the sheriff doesn't, doesn't even bother check. to check him. Uh, at this point, the Earps and Doc Holliday are on their way. And the sheriff tells them not to go or they'll be killed. But he also tells them that he's disarmed the men, which makes no sense. Which is really weird because he, he didn't. Well, and it's two totally contradictory statements. So this is where it all begins. And there are two versions of events that were given at the trial. So Katie and I are going to have a showdown here. <laughs> I will be playing the part of Wyatt Earp. And I will be Ike Clanton. So Wyatt Earp says that the McLowrys and the Clint and the Clantons are still upset about these stolen mules, and they've been making threats for months. And he makes this deal with Ike Clanton over stagecoach killings, which we'd mentioned. And on October 26th, Doc Holliday and Ike Clanton got into that fight, and they were separated by the Earps. And then he says that Ike continued to threaten him throughout the night. And the next morning, all the Earp brothers hear that he's still threatening them, so they arrest him and bring him to court. Tom McLowry starts threatening them, so Wyatt hits him on the head and walks away. So he says this was a provoked attack. 
And he meets up with his brothers and Doc Holliday and hears that the McLowrys and Clantons are armed and they've gone to the OK Corral. So at this point, the brothers are thinking about arming themselves, but Virgil asks for help disarming them. So instead, he's trying to paint their intentions as, you know, going into this with purely innocent intentions (laughs) and, and let's disarm these dangerous, violent men. So they walk in that direction, and the sheriff walks up to the Earps and says, hey, the men have been disarmed. You know, there's no danger here. And when they see the men in the lot, Frank McLowry and Billy Clanton have visible guns. So, you know, being Wyatt Earp, I am a bit alarmed, (laughs) and I decide to get ready to take out mine. Virgil asks the men to surrender and throw up their hands, and he says, I have come to disarm you. But Billy and Frank go for their guns. So I, as Wyatt Earp, draw and fire at Frank. But the first shots are my shot and Billy Clanton's shot. So we're both at the same time. I didn't provoke them. They didn't provoke me. We both shot at each other. And after several shots, Ike Clanton runs up, grabs my arm. I push him off and never fire at him because, again, I've been told he's unarmed. So I'm just acting in self-defense here. This is not my fault. (laughs) And I thought that Tom McLowry was armed. We all did, even though he wasn't. And Doc Holliday killed him. So maybe Doc shouldn't have done that. But again, I was acting in self-defense. Just how it went down, right? Right. All right. Well, as Ike Clanton, I have a different version of events. Uh, For one thing, back at the saloon, Doc Holliday started all the trouble. It wasn't me provoking him. (laughs) It was all on Doc. And Morgan Earp, instead of being this neutral party who throws both of us out, he joins in to to curse curse me out and threatens me. All right, the next day, the Earps arrest me, Ike Clinton, take me to court on false charges of threatening a gunfight, and Morgan and Virgil continue to taunt me and threaten me. And um, later I see the Earps and Holiday coming down the street with Bean meeting them, telling them not to go down there. With all my brothers and my cowboys by now. And when the Earps and Holiday come up, they pull out their guns. Virgil Earp curses us and says, You've been looking for a fight and you can have it. So those are fighting words, aren't they? They are. Um, and the Earps order us to throw up our hands. And Billy Clanton does. I do. Tom McLowry throws open his coat, says he's disarmed, and then the shooting starts. We have our hands up in the air, we're all defenseless, and the Earps in Holiday are shooting at us. And Doc Holiday fires the first shot at Tom McLowry. Morgan shoots at Billy Clanton while he's holding up his hands. Wyatt Earp shoots at me, and then I grab him and push him and finally escape to Fly's photo gallery with bullets whizzing around my head. And Billy Clinton is shooting a little bit as he lays on the ground. So when all has said and done, this gunfight has lasted only 30 seconds. And at the end, Frank McLowry is dead. Tom McLowry is dead. Billy Clinton is dying. And Doc Holliday, Virgil Earp, and Morgan Earp are all wounded. And Sheriff Bean tries to arrest Wyatt and Doc. Uh, Wyatt says no. He thought the guys were unarmed because the sheriff had told him after all. And the citizens on the scene stood stood with Wyatt. And the newspapers have a field day with this. Hundreds of people show up to the funerals, and thousands come to watch the procession, which in a city of 7,000 is saying a lot. 
And Doc Holliday was generally thought of as a hothead, and people thought he shouldn't be involved in upholding the law, period. So why was he even there? And by October 29th, Ike Klan inspired filed first-degree murder charges. So we have a preliminary hearing with the Justice of the Peace, Wells Spicer, and it should have been a short little thing. You know, a preliminary hearing is just a prelude to a real trial, but it ended up lasting longer than a month because the Earps thought he might be sympathetic to them, more sympathetic than a random jury would be. And this trial is crazy. It just all these different testimonies, all the different feuds going on. It makes everything really suspect. So we'll just give some highlights. Basically, the prosecution was trying to prove that their men had been shot before they ever even had a chance to give up their guns. While they had their hands in the air. Right. Probably the most important testimony for the prosecution was was Sheriff Bean, who said that he asked for Frank McLaurie's gun repeatedly, but he was interrupted by the arrival of the Earps. And as far as the defense goes, they took a trickier tack. Wyatt got to give a narrative instead of being examined and cross-examined, a little quirk of Arizona law. So he went up there and and gave his testimony and said he was acting in self-defense as a man of the law. And Virgil was actually examined while he was in bed in recovery Recovery. because he was still wounded and said that he tried to calm down Ike the night before the morning of the shootout. A bunch of people had told him that Ike and the crew were after him and wanted to kill him and his brothers. Mm -hmm. And he also said that they would have left the Clantons and McLaurys alone if they had stayed in the corral. So we have all these different witnesses giving different accounts. But in the end, Judge Spicer rules that there would be no criminal trial. He says that the Earps were profoundly unwise the way they went about disarming the cowboys, but nothing criminal happened. And he also mentioned that the Clantons and McLaurys should have given up their guns because when an the officer of the law them. asked for them. Exactly. They don't like this verdict, no. the Clantons and McLaurys. So then takes place what is called the Cowboy Revenge. And the first is an assassination attempt in a stagecoach of the mayor who'd been sympathetic to the Earps. And he jumps out jumps and manages out <laughs> to escape his own demise. This is the Wild West, folks. Right. <laughs> Um, uh, the second thing is Virgil is ambushed when he's walking home from a saloon. One of the men who ambushes him was Ike because his hat was found on the scene. So right. that's an important tip. Don't leave your hat. <laughs> An assassination attempt. And Virgil isn't killed, but his arm is shot so full of buckshot that it's left practically immobile. And then Morgan is shot through a window during a game of pool and dies. And his last words are, I have played my last game of pool. It's pretty deep. (laughs) I think there's some good last words. So in response to this, Wyatt Earp starts his famous vendetta ride. He kills Frank Stilwell, who was a suspect in Morgan's murder. He kills Indian Charlie and Curly Brocious, another suspect. And after you've just gone and killed three people who were never arrested or anything in any way, there are a bunch of warrants out for Wyatt Earp's arrest. So he runs off to New Mexico and then to Colorado with Doc Holliday. And Arizona wanted him extradited, but the state of Colorado refused this request. And Wyatt goes on to live a nice long life, doesn't he? He does. He married Miss Josephine from yeah. earlier. And um, he has a varied career. He referees heavyweight boxing matches. He mines for gold, sells real estate, 
raised racehorses, ran saloons, even appeared on the sets of early Hollywood westerns. Which is fitting, considering there have been so many TV shows and movies about him, although many of them seem to portray him in a much more golden light than perhaps we have. Yeah, like maybe they just read his testimony. And not so much (laughs) yours, poor Ike Clanton, I'm sorry. (laughs) So if you'd like to learn more about U.S. Marshals in the Wild Wild West and check out our blog on the site's homepage, go to www.howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and P&G's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six x visit tomboyx.com 